Hey everyone, hope you're well and safe after Thanksgiving break. Welcome back to the Your Money, Your Life podcast. Excited to have you back for episode 97. How was everyone's Thanksgiving break? I actually recorded the day before, obviously traveled, and still got the episode out. We haven't stopped for 97 weeks, folks. We have always been here at Team New Street. We've always been locked in. We work harder than everyone. We're lunch pail type people. We bring the hard hat every day, every week. So if you're listening, make sure you five-star rate and subscribe. Review the podcast wherever you're listening. We're going to talk about the news. We're going to have a roundtable. We'll do questions of the week. And again, thank you as always for listening and hope you enjoy the show. Market update of the week. What's in the news as well? So as we sit here Thursday, there's a little bit of a rebound happening in the markets right now. We're in the green in most major indexes. Um, This is coming after we saw a little bit of a sell-off on the past couple of days, mostly from the Omicron variant, um, as well as a little bit of talks from the Fed about inflation no longer really being transitory and being more here to stay. So Omicron variant cases are in the U.S. They're popping up in California. They're popping up in Minnesota. Um, And so that's here. And that's something that the medical professional community is getting more data on and battling and and telling us as we get the data what is going on with this specific variant and if it's something of major concern or not. that's the big thing on that side. Also, we saw you know the Fed talk about inflation not being transitory, being here to stay, which is what we were kind of all seeing, right? And you've seen the prices, you're seeing different things happen, seeing wage inf- inflation, you're seeing all these different things happening in the economy that tell us that it's not transitory, it's here to stay. We do have a strong economy still. The Really, the, the consumer is stronger than they've ever been with flush cash everywhere. We're still seeing strong signs from spending, retailers. That's not going to change. But that's what we're currently seeing in the market um, as of now. Now let's move over to the news. So, of course, Elon Musk is always someone that draws in some strong opinions. But he was in the news because he says that SpaceX, his other company, one of his many, I'm sure, many companies, he has... SpaceX, obviously Tesla, not boring company that does some random stuff. Um, that's the name of it, not boring company. But SpaceX is the space exploration commercialization company. Um, and he sent out an email and alerted and alarmed his employees saying that SpaceX is facing a bankruptcy crisis. But he said it was more to put pressure on his employees rather than a money thing. Um, so he sent out the email saying, hey, we have to work harder. We need to get things going. We need to progress faster, further. Um, and he said it was a great motivating tactic uh, because, as we know, SpaceX has raised billions. Um, it's had a $100 billion massive valuation. Investors are funding it because the, the CEO is one of the smartest guys and one of the most richest guys on the planet. And they want it to, then they're more than likely thinking it's going to succeed. So that's the big thing on, uh, on SpaceX. Um, and obviously, it's not really facing bankruptcy. He can fund it with his own billions as well. So... Interesting. Very interesting. Moving on to more interesting news. And this I thought was really, really interesting. So Match Group, which is the owner of Tinder, Hinge, and a lot of other dating platforms, they bought Tinder. 
um, from some guys, uh, I think it was a few years ago. But the match group had settled a lawsuit with the founders and executives of Tinder. And the, those executives and founders of Tinder alleged that match group, the company, tried to undervalue Tinder to cheat them out of billions of dollars. Uh, Matt said in the regulatory filing that it has agreed to pay them $441 million to the plaintiffs in the lawsuit, which was filed three years ago. The plaintiffs um, really just, you know, they said, hey, you tried to undervalue this company, so you do not pay us. Um, they said that the plaintiffs said that they were being cheated out of around $2 billion because uh, Match Group was allegedly manipulating financial information to undermine Tinder's valuation. So that's really, really interesting news um, to hear this. Um, but, you know, that's that's like the, that's what the wild, wild west of the private markets, the venture markets, you know, it's a really, really wild, wild west game that you have to be um, um, really into. But that's that's something to, to keep note. Um, if we move over to sports, the MLB is now in a lockout. There's a five-year collective bargaining agreement, which is the agreement between the owners of the teams and the players' union. And they usually have an agreement to how the revenue is split, how different things are going to outline a whole bunch of disclosures and things for how the relationship between the players and the owners. And that has expired, and they haven't created a new one. So now there's a lockout, which means operations are halted, no free agent signings, no trades, no use of facilities by the players, and no contact between the players and the team. It's the first MLB lockout slash work stoppage in 27 years and the ninth in the league history. Um, and so this is a thing where they have to go back to the negotiation table and, and pretty much see that that's a, it's a classic labor dispute. How do you distribute the spoils of a $10 billion league? The players want more. The owners want to give away less. The better and younger players in their prime want, you know, different contract things. They want, like, the, uh, they want other owners want expanded seasons. They want, you know, all these different things. But it's going to have to come down to the negotiation table, um, and we'll see. We'll be watching what happens. In music and media news, so everyone's getting their end-of-year Spotify updates or their end-of-year Apple Music updates uh, or podcasts. You're getting your podcast updates. We got one for for the Your Money Your Life podcast. So when I, I want to thank the listeners of 2021 who've just listened and stayed on course with Team New Street and, and Team Your Money Your Life and what we've built over nearly over two years. All right, this is incredible. So some of our stats: the followers of the Your Money Your Life podcast increased 127 percent. Streams up nearly 30%. Hours listened up nearly 30%, 20%, and listeners up five, six, seven percent as well, which is incredible numbers for another year of this of just really having fun, giving information, um, and really just sitting down and speaking and, and, and explaining literacy like I've done since the beginning of this thing. And we're just getting started, folks. Rocket ship is going up again in 2022. But more, more back to the media. So what has happened here? Let's talk about like just the numbers that we saw from you know global stars um, in the music world. Bad Bunny was the most streamed artist globally for the second year in a row. Actually, I probably know some of his songs just from it being really popular. But I'm not like a big fan. I don't, I don't. I mean, I listen to a couple songs. They're on Peloton. I listen to them. I like them. He's in the new season of Narcos, and I think he does a great job. I love that series. I'm sorry, I do. It's great. It's entertaining. 
Rounding out the top five of most streamed artists was Taylor Swift, BTS, Drake, and Justin Bieber. The top album was Olivia Rodrigo's Sour. I've not heard a song from that, I don't think. Maybe I have. The top song was Her Again, Driver's License by Olivia Rodrigo. The top podcast, the Joe Rogan Experience, uh, the top Spotify podcast. He obviously got a $100 million deal, I think, a year or two ago. Uh, Rogan was followed by Call Her Daddy, which is also on Spotify. So Spotify is cleaning up. Well, this is their their list, so it uh, makes sense. And that is really interesting to see, you know, the top numbers. It's always good to go to do a review when you end a year and what, what happened. It seems like the UK regulators, the UK antitrust regulators, are doing a review of Facebook's purchase of Giphy. Um, so yesterday, the regulators ordered Meta, formerly Facebook, to sell Giphy um, and, and not no longer have that platform in their portfolio. Facebook acquired it last year for $315 million, but Giphy doesn't own the rights to vids using GIFs, so it made, mo- it made money by sponsoring results in searches. And so Facebook regulators regulator saying the merger reduced ad competition, um, and they're making Facebook sell it. So that's another interesting thing. So you're seeing a lot of ha- things happen in the social media platform space. Regulators saying, hey, we don't like this merger. We don't like this acquisition. You must sell. You don't really see that often. So that's something to note. Because uh, you rarely, rarely see that. Uh, and we'll see what happens down the line with that. And we talked about it a little bit. Um, I sent a testimony a few days ago. Fed Jer- Jerome Paul, Fed chair, said that it was time to retire the use of the word transitory to describe the current inflation dynamics in the U.S. Um, Powell has led team transitory since the summer when he said that, hey, the bottlenecks, all these things will subside and over time. Um, us printing trillions won't affect in long term, but he's now saying team transitory has struck out and inflation has spread to sectors all over, to all over the sectors. The economy is very strong and inflationary pressures are high in his words. Um, and so they will no longer use transitory and pretty much saying inflation's here and here to stay for the foreseeable future. Um, and that led to a bit of a sell-off in the markets we saw earlier. So um, I guess inflation transitory gone, folks. We kind of knew that, but it is for sure gone. More news. A lot of news today and so much happening since Thanksgiving. But Twitter founder Jack Dorsey stepped down to focus on Square, which he actually renamed or is in the process of renaming this month to Block. Um, And he said, hey, 15 years, eight months and eight days after posting his first tweet, he stepped down. Uh, I guess CNBC broke the news. They're having someone else, the CTO, Pereg, I'm hopefully pronouncing that correctly. He's going to be promoted to CTO or to CEO. Dorsey, if you guys don't remember, he was the CEO of Twitter, obviously, and Square. He was one of the youngest or only people to just be the CEO. Well, Elon Musk has it, but the unusual double CEO club. Not very often that people do that of two very two public companies, but. People kind of criticized him for not focusing as much on Square, um, which is nearly three times as valuable as Twitter. Um, He's focused, or he's focused too much on Square, I should say. And so now he's dropping his focus on Twitter and really just focusing on Square because he is very, very, you could call it obsessed, not in a bad term, but he's very, very intrigued and obsessed with, you know, cryptocurrency, blockchain, and he wants to focus on that. 
um, and that is why he's stepping down. So um, very, very interesting. You're seeing some people step away from their posts and he's stepping away from the board too, which a lot of people don't do. They'll step away as a CEO and, and step away from the day-to-day responsibilities, but they usually stay on the board and show up to those meetings once every quarter or whenever they have them. But he's stepping away from that as well, uh, which is an interesting, interesting revelation. Snack fact of the day. Amazon expects to surpass FedEx and UPS as America's biggest delivery company by package volume by early 2022. That's an interesting fact. We're seeing so much of packages, e-retailers, e-spending, e-commerce. And Amazon has such an amazing logistics platform. And now they're saying they're going to surpass FedEx and UPS in delivery package volume. So that's something to of note. Web3, folks, you've heard it everywhere. You've heard it all around. But what is going on in the Web3 universe? It's something that's interesting. So if we're talking about Web3, it's been thrown out by techies. It's been used so much. Everyone's talking about it and sounding smart. But what is it actually? It's decentralized. The Web3, if you're talking about Web 1.0, Web 2.0, now Web3 is focused on, instead of accessing the Web through services controlled by Google and Facebook, Web3 would feature new services owned by their users. It's supposed to be unified, uh, recording your activity in a crypto Sharpie like the blockchain. Web3 will let us carry data around and bounce between sites with one account. So you would have to you wouldn't have to have 50 logins because your data on the blockchain would be trans would transfer transfer to wherever site you're using based on the blockchain. And it's direct. Blockchain text allows you more direct online transactions without these big tech intermediaries. So, you know, people are learning so much more about Web3. We're intrigued by it. We're doing some things in venture and private markets um, along these stages. Uh, you'll see more about that revealed later. We've been working hard in the back scene. I've been working hard. Too. We're doing some great, really exciting things that will be revealed revealed when they can be. Um, that's crazy. That's interesting of note um, to note that. This is a lot of news, folks. Hope you, you were able to, to circle that, to, to digest that, because uh, we'll do the roundtable next. Hey, everyone. Finance roundtable of the week. Much, much that we could discuss here, but I want to discuss a little bit something that I find interesting uh, when you talk to people, when you hear people talk about investing. And we used to talk about it a lot more during the craze, call it January and February of the market where everyone was an investor. But you see that most people went back to their day jobs because you're not an investor unless you actually have capital to invest. That's another point, but we digress. So the big difference, what I'm seeing is, especially when you're talking about experts versus novices, is investing versus betting. Both are up to the prerogative of the person to do so, right? But a lot of people think that seeing something and, and putting money behind it blindly is, is investing when it's get misconstrued, when it actually is just betting, which is fine. People don't want to do that. But you'll also see a lot of these seeing people that disregard or do not like to understand calculated risks or due diligence or any of these things that I definitely do, right? You'll see people just say, oh, they saw a headline. I'm going to do this because I saw someone that I don't even know say something, don't know what they did to research this, but I'm going to just do that. Um, and, and that leads to a bunch of a market fallacy that I, I like to call 
overconfidence and everyone has that at every point a person has that is when you allow stuff you haven't fully fleshed out to drive you to a conclusion that is improbable but you just think it's going to happen just based on blind faith which is just a an, an thing that can definitely hurt people and it hurts a lot of people in the markets and i see it time and time again um these things are still at play as we move to a world where everyone's taking, you know, moving up their risk profile and taking much larger and much more often taking risk in investing, which isn't a bad thing. We're going to do some amazing things with our clients through our own due diligence of investing in different things and venture and angel and early stage and syndicating things that we believe are going to be explosive in the next three, four, five, six, seven years. But of course, that's from someone that actually manages a lot of money. But you'll see this with people that don't. Um, it's very, very interesting um, to to see at play. But it's something that we have to be mindful of and, and people definitely have to be mindful of um, in this environment. So something food for thought, folks. And we'll move to the question of the week. Questions of the week, folks. Questions of the week. This one's a little different. It's one that I always ask clients or prospective clients, but it's one that a lot of people, it seems so simple on the surface, but a lot of people don't sit down and actually ask themselves this in general because I see this a lot, but it's where do you want to be financially in one year, five years, 10 years, 20? But this is an important question to think about the short, medium, and long-term goals because it sets up if you work back it's up the sets up the steps needed to take that we need to take to reach those goals so some of it may be saving for a down payment of house some of it may be saving to build up the nest egg saving to build up emergency fund pay off debt engagement wedding any of these things that are going to play a part in how we maneuver for the next couple of years are super important to actually ask yourself and assess and sit down and work on because it's very, very important. That's what a planner and investment advisor like myself does with people because it's hard to assess that. And then the goals that steps need to be taken are hard to analyze and know which one to do. And a lot of people make mistakes in those in those respects, in those regards. But it's super, super important to sit down and look at. And that's why we do a great job of doing that with people. But hey, folks, this is another great episode. Um, I'm excited for the amazing things New Street Ventures Group and New Street Advisors Group has going in 2022 and beyond. If you're a part of this journey, it's up. If you're not, hopefully we can find a way to get you a part of this journey. Um, but hey, as always, thanks for listening. And we look forward to being back here next week.